Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 102. Welcome to the Know, Like, and Trust show with Brittany Gardner, the podcast where we explore the world of personal branding and how to build your know, like, and trust factor up for ultimate business success. And now here's your host, Brittany Gardner. All right, today we're going to be talking about your sales funnel as a brand building tool. Now, this episode starts with a few premises that you need to understand, or at least we need to agree that they are important. I would say this isn't a beginner's episode, but we're actually talking about a lot of concepts that beginners do need to understand, even if they can't implement them all right now. So whether you're deep into your business or you're still in that really beginner's phase, this is an important episode for you to listen to and intake. All right, so premise number one, your brand is your reputation in the marketplace. Executing a brand strategy means that you are committed to shaping that reputation. Number two, everything you do as a business owner adds or detracts from your brand. And I do mean what you do and what you don't do both detract from your brand. An example here, if you don't put out regular, valuable content to your audience, what will they think of your commitment to your business? Do you even have an audience if you aren't putting out content consistently? And then premise number three, Once you realize that everything you do contributes to your brand, you have a few choices as to how you're going to proceed. Today, I'm going to be talking about one of those choices, and that is your sales funnel. Now, your sales funnel or your marketing funnel, however you choose to term it, is just a way of describing your client's journey with you. It's that simple. Now, I've joked around in past episodes with guests that the funnel term can sound scary to a lot of entrepreneurs, new or not, but especially newer ones because of those bro marketing gimmicks out there. Bro marketing has given the funnel a bad rap because the same people talking about marketing funnels or sales funnels are the ones posting pictures of themselves with flashy jets and sports cars and really crazy looking suits and you know, all those things. The guys are saying, you can have this too if you follow me. I don't like them, and I don't like what they've done to the digital business world, but I have to give them credit where credit is due. They've got their funnels down. So why are we talking about funnels instead of just calling it the client journey? Well, a client journey can refute to a few different things. I often talk about it as an example, as meeting your client where they're at before they realize they need you, guide them to deciding if they need you or someone else to help fix their problem, and then hiring you or not. That's a funnel. A funnel is a simple way to attract interest and attention to what you do and then guide those prospects to buying. So if you can imagine a kitchen funnel, it's wide at the top and narrow at the bottom. It is not a straight cylinder where the same amount of people that exit at the same time. It's not a pipe. So I get a little upset when people call it a pipeline. It's not a pipe, it's a funnel. That naturally means that the wide net you cast to attract interest filters people out till you get to the amount of buyers at the bottom. Said another way, just because someone expresses interest in your services does not mean that they are a buyer. This is why I say so often, your brand should turn more people away than it lets in. Your brand is a filter. It's better to be a bad match for someone than boring to everyone. But more on that later. 
So in marketing and sales terms, you'll hear things like top of funnel, middle of funnel, and bottom of funnel. And I did not understand what those meant until, well, fairly recently, actually. Those are simply marketing terms for what I actually described in story version just a few minutes ago. So your top of funnel is cold traffic. Those are people who don't yet realize they have a problem. This is where you're going to introduce yourself to them. You're going to introduce your solution, and it's where they become problem aware. As in, hey, there's this thing out there. Oh, I need to work on it. Or, hey, I've got an issue. Who knows the solution to this issue? Middle of funnel is the nurturing time because they may or may not be ready to buy even if they are looking for that solution. They're going to be oftentimes in the consideration and the interest phase here. I've heard it said that any given time, only 50% of leads will buy. So half of the people, right? But, and here's the kicker, guys. Of that 50%, only 15% are ready to buy right now. And the other 85% will be ready to buy in the next two years. So of the half of the people out there, only 15%, or let's say 7.5% total, are ready to buy right now. That's a lot of other people out there who may or may not be good clients down the road. That's why they need nurturing. You show them that you have something valuable to offer. You give them bits of value along the way and prove your personalities or working styles are congruent with theirs. And then when they are ready to buy, you are the de facto solution. And that's how we move to that bottom of the funnel. Bottom of funnel is the stage where they're actually ready to buy. Now, they may still need some convincing in the least sleazy way that I can say that, of course, but they're ready. So we're good on what the funnel is now. We're good on why we talk about them in this way, but are we good on how we use this to build your brand? That right there is the point that most consultants and coaches miss. Okay, if you aren't using your funnel as a way to build your brand, you're not only missing out on a key part of brand visibility, you're leaving money on the table. Okay, how do you do it then? How can you use your sales funnel as a brand building tool? Here are three tactical ways to build your brand while guiding clients through your funnel. Method number one, create a freebie that doesn't suck. Two, implement a series of platform content. And the third option, onboard and offboard clients well. Now I'm going to cover those first two on this episode. And I have a future guest, Kristen Westcott, on the show that covers the onboarding and offboarding process so much better than I could. So we're going to leave that for a future episode. Let's start with the freebies, aka lead magnets, free gifts, bribes, they're the mailing list bribes you offer in exchange for adding an email address to your list. Here's the deal with freebies. They kind of suck on the whole. Have I seen great ones? Oh yeah, of course. But I'd say like 90% or so are useless. I am not trying to be mean here, guys, because I don't think the authors of the useless free gifts intended for those results at all. But somewhere along the way, they read an article or bought into a program that told them they need to build their list and they do need to build it. But the program or article did a piss poor job of telling them how. And then in this hypothetical but all too real scenario, said coach didn't know what to create because maybe they're a newbie and experiencing all the imposter syndrome feels. So they do the dreaded copy and paste. What do I mean by the copy and paste deal? Okay, here's a real story. A year ago, 
I decided I needed to have a business presence on Pinterest. Now, don't all go hop over to my business Pinterest profile yet because I'll tell you with full disclosure, it's not great. I haven't put the time into it. But a year ago, I decided I should at least stop ignoring it. So what did I do? I googled how to set up a profile for better business interaction. My search phrase was probably something along the lines of how to do Pinterest for business. Now it's been a year, so a few of these details are fuzzy, but this I do know. The various resources from places like Tailwind and you know other social media websites popped up, as well as a few coaches and VAs who specialize in Pinterest. I read through the first 10 or so links, let's say. I know for sure, however, that I downloaded three freebies from Pinterest experts. Now, one of those freebies was a direct copy and paste from an article on Sprout Social. Eek. Um, let's not copy, let's not plagiarize, let's not steal, guys. One wasn't a direct copy and paste, but was the same five tips that were regurgitated on multiple other sites. Basically just rewording, but essentially still plagiarizing. And then the other one, I don't even remember, which means it wasn't enough to write home about, it wasn't enough to be memorable, but it didn't turn me off. Oof, you guys, that is a 100% fail rate for using a freebie to build your expert status, build your brand, and definitely losing out on gaining me as a client. If I can get the same five tips on your freebie that I can get by Googling, only my Google search didn't require me to hand over my email address, then you, my friend, have a big problem because that freebie offered me no value. I also immediately unsubscribed from the person's list because obviously they had nothing new to offer me. And if they're regurgitating articles from Tailwind, then they aren't good at what they do. All right, now I know that there's a bit of a mental leap there, so let me explain my thought process. If you were really good at what you do, you'd have either developed your own way of doing things, your own way of explaining things, or had further insight beyond what I can Google from some lowly paid social media intern at Tailwind or Sprout Social. And that, my friends, is the whole point about why freebies suck so badly. Most of them provide no insight and require no thought. Give me something useful. Give me something that comes from your brain and tells me why I should trust you over Google. If you're newer in biz and thinking, Brittany, that's cool and all, but I don't have my own process yet. I'm doing nutrition guidance the way I learned in school and I'm following their proven formula. What am I supposed to do here? Well, I'm going to say, you know what? Your brain still has insight. Since I don't know enough about nutrition to give a concrete example, let's go back to the Pinterest tale here. If you really feel you're so green around the edges and that you have nothing new to offer because there are only a few ways to do Pinterest well, then tell us why those are the ways to do it well. So go ahead, post three things you need to do to tune up your Pinterest profile and tell me why each of those things is important. If possible, give a case study of a client that changed this one thing and got different results. If you're going to Google stats and put them together as a report, say, I know that's one of the popular things people suggest making as a free gift, then go the extra mile and Google stats from multiple different sources and tell us why those stats matter. I did this on my sales page for social post formulas. I have a graph with five or six stats from various different sources, ranging from Time Magazine to HubSpot. Yes, common places to look for information and totally Googleable by themselves. But I cherry-picked stats that support my cause. Of course I did. It's a sales page, you know? I didn't just take them from one place and regurgitate. I collected them. Some people might say curated them and used them for a specific purpose. 
So that's a sales page example. But if I were going to use those same stats to put a freebie together to introduce DIY social media managers, (laughs) aka entrepreneurs who can't afford a social media manager yet, I'd explain why each of those stats is relevant to my services and to doing social media management as a whole. And then this is the key. If you're putting a list together or doing a report like I've just mentioned, add in a simple tool at the end. It could be a simple spreadsheet like Grid for tracking habits that you're trying to encourage. Or back to the Pinterest example, it could be a Pinterest post tracker for repins and followers. Basically, give the downloader a reason to keep your freebie around. I say the same thing, by the way, guys, when you repost somebody's quote on Instagram or Facebook, whatever social media you're talking about. If somebody else took the time to put a quote together and put it on a pretty graphic, don't just repost it. First of all, make it fit your own brand look, colors, fonts, all that fun stuff. Second of all, give me your take on it. Why does this quote matter? What should it make me think about? What beliefs can it shift? What can it add to my life? Don't just repost someone's quote. Give me your opinion on it. I'm saying the exact same thing for regular content that I say for freebies. Give me your take. Make me think. Ash Amberger of the Middle Finger Project has a brilliant freebie, probably the most memorable one I've ever seen. It's a 30-day email series teaching freelancers how to leave behind the trading time for money way of working. It's brilliant because it's divided up into a few categories like why it matters to stop charging hourly, how to package your services, and how to market them. It's brilliant because each email gives you a bite-sized task to accomplish so it doesn't seem overwhelming. And even if you don't have time to implement it all on the daily, you'll keep the emails around to reference. That is how you create top-of-mind marketing. Another freebie I love, any Google Sheet I have to use regularly. I've got some of these for tracking hashtags on Instagram, tracking my Facebook ad spend, tracking my own social media post effectiveness. Again, top of mind, I use these people's trackers regularly. Now, I don't download that many freebies anymore. They're, quite frankly, just too disappointing, as for all the reasons I've talked about here. But the ones I remember and like are always the ones that leave me thinking I would happily have paid for them, often upwards of $50. If you look at your freebie and can't honestly say you charge at least $50 for it, then you may as well not have one at all. You are damaging your no like, and trust factor if it's a half-hearted attempt just to get it out there. You don't want your audience thinking that you'll be half-hearted in your work together now, do you? Okay, I'll take my rant pants off now and move on to the second tactical way to build your brand with your funnel, and that is platform content. I talk a lot about platform content in my products because it's the easiest way to nurture. And if you do it well, then it makes other parts of your business simple too. For example, the show up system is all about systematizing your branding this way, creating a few pieces of great content and breaking them up into smaller chunks and repurposing them over the course of a few weeks or even months. Hello, super easy social media calendar, am I right? Intentional Business Brand Foundations is a new course I'm offering, and no, I'm not doing a launch for it. It covers your brand foundation, though. It covers the who are you, who are they, your best clients, and how do you serve them. And in it, I cover the content bucket idea more in depth than I do in the show up system, and it leads to the same thing. What is your platform content? So what is it? It's the content you want to be known for. It's going to be blog posts, podcast episodes, or videos. It's typically a little more in-depth than a quick live stream. 
I teach content buckets as the three things you want to be known for, the three things you teach on regularly, the three things you tell your clients to focus on, the three things that lead to your service or product. Your platform content should do the same thing. It should meet your clients where they're at right now, introduce the problem to them, and shift their belief around the subject. What do I mean by that shifting your belief around the subject? Here is an example. I was talking about this whole concept with my friend and client, Dawn, a divorce therapist the other day. Her platform content is around trauma and how it shows up during grief. So with me not having yet dived into her process exactly, her platform content will need to meet the divorcee where they're at and shift their beliefs to realizing they need to address trauma and be treated for it. That traditional talk therapy won't be enough to really address the root cause of their problems. My platform content as a brand strategist covers why your brand foundation is so important. I talk about how if you skip over the brand foundation work when you're starting out, you might find some success, but it will all fall apart if you don't do it eventually. I even say things like, you'll burn through the easy clients and not be able to replicate that early success if you don't know your brand foundation in and out. I talk about going deep when you go wide, meaning that when you move from one-to-one work to one-to-many work, you need to deepen your best client definition and narrow it because you're no longer working with one-to-one connection, so your connection has to come from that best match client situation. And if you haven't guessed it already, this podcast episode is actually a piece of my platform content. My entire brand strategy philosophy depends on you building a warm audience before you launch building an audience of loyal buyers so that when you're ready to sell, they already look to you as the expert in their lives and you're the only person that they want to learn from on that subject. So yes, using your sales funnel to guide your best client along that journey is absolutely part of my platform. Building brand awareness isn't just something to do. It's an absolute must for an online business. If you're not providing regular, valuable content in the nurture phase, you're going to miss out on a good chunk of that other 85% of people who want to buy, just, you know, not yet. That regular content can be your platform content broken out into small points, small chunks that offer huge value. Any aha pieces of your platform content should be made into graphic quotes, short blog posts, social media posts, short live streams, and more. I haven't done the work of breaking up this particular topic yet, But just from what you've heard, can you imagine what I'll do with this episode? I have three hard tactical things you can do to build your brand with a strategized sales funnel. I also have three premises you need to agree on if you're really going to execute this. Those three premises are already belief-shifting content on their own at a basic level, just in the few sentences I used to describe them at the beginning of this episode. I could, in the future, expand upon each of those and create more platform content. If all I did was expand upon this episode, I could easily cover the next three months of content. Creating this episode will take me two hours in total, from researching the stats I included earlier on about who's ready to buy and who's not, to typing up my notes and then recording the episode. It'll take me another hour or so to break it up into a few weeks of content for all my other channels. So, That's three hours total for several weeks, possibly months of brand visibility, brand awareness building with people I would like to include in my audience. I used to spend more than three hours at a monthly networking lunch that gave me maybe one or two leads each month. Now I spend that time and build an entire funnel that brings in hundreds, if not thousands. Building a personal brand online 
isn't difficult when you look at it from that 30,000 foot view, but sometimes you just can't see it by yourself. Sometimes you need that outside guidance. If that's you, go ahead, send me an email, say hi at brittanygardner.com. I have both the self-paced course Intentional Business Brand Foundations that may be right for you or the Intentional Business VIP with me where we do a deep dive of your brand foundation and create your platform content plan in just two hours. At the time of recording, I only have one space left for that VIP this month. If you're already A-OK on your brand foundation and platform content, you are leagues ahead of most online business owners. And truly, I applaud you. Like, well done. I am meeting more and more people all the time who have so much together in their businesses but still struggle in this area. So if you're there, that is awesome. All right, moving on from the content side of brand visibility to the application side. To the application side, let's talk about logos. As digital business owners, we are creators. We create programs, courses, even new businesses all the time. And they all need a logo. So after seeing yet another well-intentioned entrepreneur post in a respectable Facebook group asking everyone to vote which logo, A, B, C, or D, instead of complaining about it, I decided to do something about it. I created the on-brand logo generator. It's super easy to use. Type in the name of your new project or brand or course, describe it with a few words, and voila, it creates a logo for you in seconds. From login to creation in less than five minutes total. Seriously. And I'm also including a ton of training to jazz it up, even if you're not a designer. No more do you have to invest hundreds or thousands into a logo for a new project that hasn't even made you a dime yet. No more do you have to create your own logo that kind of looks like your stick figure drawing five-year-old made it in Microsoft Word or eek, Microsoft Paint. You can go check it out at onbrandlogogenerator.com. See you guys next week.